Chapter Eleven of Lilith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pete Williams. Lilith by George MacDonald. Chapter Eleven The Evil Wood. I fell fast asleep, and when I woke, the sun was rising. I went to the top again and looked back. The hollow I had crossed in the moonlight lay without sign of life. Could it be that the calm expanse before me swarmed with creatures of devouring greed? I turned and looked over the land through which my way must lie. It seemed a wide desert, with a patch of a different color in the distance that might be a forest. Sign of presence, human or animal, was none. Smoke or dust or shadow of cultivation. Not a cloud floated in the clear heaven. No thinnest haze curtained any segment of its circling rim. I descended and set out for the imaginable forest. Something alive might be there. On this side of it could not well be anything. When I reached the plain, I found it, as far as my sight could go, of rock. Here flat and channeled, there humped and pinnacled. Evidently the wide bed of a vanished river, scored by innumerable water-runs, without a trace of moisture in them. Some of the channels bore a dry moss, and some of the rocks a few lichens, almost as hard as themselves. The air, once filled with pleasant noise of waters, was silent as death. It took me the whole day to reach the patch, which I found indeed a forest, but not a rudiment of brook or runnel had I crossed. Yet through the glowing noon I seemed haunted by an oral mirage, hearing so plainly the voice of many waters that I could hardly believe the opposing testimony of my eyes. The sun was approaching the horizon when I left the riverbed and entered the forest. Sunk below the treetops, and sending his rays between their pillar-like bowls, he revealed a world of blessed shadows waiting to receive me. I had expected a pine wood, but here were trees of many sorts, some with strong resemblances to trees I knew, others with marvelous differences from any I had ever seen. I threw myself beneath the boughs of what seemed a eucalyptus in blossom, its flowers had a hard calyx, much resembling a skull, the top of which rose like a lid to let the froth-like bloom-brain overfoam its cup. From beneath the shadow of its falchion leaves, my eyes went wandering into deep after deep of the forest. Soon, however, its doors and windows began to close, shutting up aisle and corridor and roomier glade. The night was about me, and instant and sharp the cold. Again, what a night I found it! How shall I make my reader share with me its wild ghostiness? The tree under which I lay rose high before it branched, but the boughs of it bent so low that they seemed ready to shut me in as I leaned against the smooth stem, and let my eyes wander through the brief twilight of the vanishing forest. Presently, to my listless roving gaze, the varied outlines of the clumpy foliage 
began to assume or imitate, say rather suggest, other shapes than their own. A light wind began to blow. It set the boughs of a neighbor tree rocking, and all their branches a-swing, every twig and every leaf blending in its individual motion with the sway of its branch and the rock of its bough. Among its leafy shapes was a pack of wolves that struggled to break from a wizard's leash. Greyhounds would not have strained so savagely. I watched them with an interest that grew as the wind gathered force and their motions life. Another mass of foliage, larger and more compact, presented my fancy with a group of horses' heads and forequarters, projecting, caparisoned from their stalls. Their necks kept moving up and down with an impatience that augmented as the growing wind broke their vertical rhythm with a wilder swaying from side to side. What heads they were! How gaunt! How strange! Several of them bare skulls, one with the skin tight on its bones. One had lost the underjaw and hung low, looking unutterably weary. But now and then hove high as if to ease the bit. Above them, at the end of a branch, floated erect the form of a woman, waving her arms in imperious gesture. The definiteness of these and other leaf masses first surprised and then discomposed me. What if they should overpower my brain with seeming reality? But the twilight became darkness. The wind ceased. Every shape was shut up in the night. I fell asleep. It was still dark when I began to be aware of a far-off, confused, rushing noise, mingled with faint cries. It grew and grew until a tumult as of gathering multitudes filled the wood. On all sides at once the sounds drew nearer. The spot where I lay seemed the center of a commotion that extended throughout the forest. I scarce moved hand or foot lest I should betray my presence to hostile things. The moon at length approached the forest and came slowly into it. With her first gleam the noises increased to a deafening uproar and I began to see dim shapes about me. As she ascended and grew brighter, the noises became yet louder, and the shapes clearer. A furious battle was raging around me. Wild cries and roars of rage, shock of onset, struggle prolonged, all mingled with words articulate, surged in my ears. Curses and credos, snarls and sneers, laughter and mockery, sacred names and howls of hate, came huddling in chaotic interpenetration. Skeletons and phantoms fought in maddest confusion. Swords swept through the phantoms. They only shivered. Maces crashed on the skeletons, shattering them hideously. Not one fell or ceased to fight, so long as a single joint held two bones together. Bones of men and horses lay scattered and heaped, grinding and crunching them underfoot fought the skeletons. Everywhere charged the bone-gaunt white steeds, 
everywhere on foot or on wind-blown misty battle-horses, raged and ravened and raved the indestructible spectres. Weapons and hooves clashed and crushed, while skeleton jaws and phantom throats swelled the deafening tumult with the war-cry of every opinion, bad or good, that had bred strife, injustice, cruelty in any world. The holiest words went with the most hating blow. Lie-distorted truths flew hurtling in the wind of javelins and bones. Every moment some one would turn against his comrades and fight more wildly than before. The truth! The truth! Still his cry. One I noted who wheeled ever in a circle and smote on all sides. Wearied out, a pair would sit for a minute, side by side, and then rise and renew the fierce combat. None stooped to comfort the fallen, or stepped wide to spare him. The moon shone till the sun rose, and all the night long I had glimpses of a woman moving at her will above the strife-tormented multitude, now on this front, now on that, one outstretched arm urging the fight, the other pressed against her side. "'Ye are men! Slay one another!' she shouted. I saw her dead eyes and her dark spot, and recalled what I had seen the night before. Such was the battle of the dead, which I saw and heard as I lay under the tree. Just before sunrise a breeze went through the forest, and a voice cried, Let the dead bury their dead! At the word the contending thousands dropped noiseless, and when the sun looked in he saw never a bone, but here and there a withered branch. I rose and resumed my journey, through as quiet a wood as ever grew out of the quiet earth. For the wind of the morning had ceased when the sun appeared, and the trees were silent. Not a bird sang, not a squirrel, mouse, or weasel showed itself, not a belated moth flew athwart my path. But as I went, I kept watch over myself, nor dared let my eyes rest on any forest shape. All the time I seemed to hear faint sounds of mattock and spade, and hurtling bones. Any moment my eyes might open on things I would not see. Daylight prudence muttered that, perhaps, to appear, ten thousand phantoms awaited only my consenting fancy. In the middle of the afternoon I came out of the wood, to find before me a second net of dry watercourses. I thought at first that I had wandered from my attempted line and reversed my direction, but I soon saw it was not so, and concluded presently that I had come to another branch of the same river-bed. I began at once to cross it, and was in the bottom of a wide channel, when the sun set. I sat down to await the moon, and growing sleepy, stretched myself on the moss. The moment my head was down I heard the sounds of rushing streams, all sorts of sweet, watery noises. The veiled melody of the molten music sang me into a dreamless sleep, and when I woke the sun was already up, and the wrinkled country widely visible. Covered with shadows it lay striped and mottled like the skin of some wild animal. 
As the sun rose, the shadows diminished, and it seemed as if the rocks were reabsorbing the darkness that had oozed out of them during the night. Hitherto I had loved my Arab mare and my books more, I fear, than live man or woman. Now at length my soul was athirst for a human presence, and I longed, even after those inhabitants of this alien world whom the raven had so vaguely described as nearest my sort. With heavy yet hoping heart, and mind haunted by a doubt whether I was going in any direction at all, I kept wearily traveling northwest and by south. End of chapter 11 Recording by Pete Williams, Pittsburgh, PA